Come have a seat in the Skald Circle and hear the tale of the Lay of Himir, as told by Casimir. Before we begin our tale, did you know that we release new stories for free every week on Wednesdays? Be certain to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, Podbean, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. That way, you'll never miss out when we release free bonus stories other days of the week. Never forget, visit thescaldcircle.com to stay up to date with all our current happenings, and to also visit our story archive, sorted by origin and region. Now then, this begins the tale of the Lay of Hemir. The gods had plenty of food, but they had run out of mead and ale. They began to feast, but the more they ate, the less they felt like eating, with no drink to wash the food down. They sacrificed a small animal and dipped twigs into its blood. They shook them, and the runes scored on them began to shine. They shook them again and divined that Aegir, god of the sea, could help them. So a group of gods and goddesses left Asgard and made for the island of Hylisei. And there they found Aegir and his wife Ran in their hall beneath the waves, lit only by gleaming gold. Aegir the sea god was sitting at peace with the world and blithe as a child. Thor, son of Odin, soon put an end to that. He looked Aegir in the eye and almost blinded him. Brew some ale for the gods, he commanded. Brew it at once and brew plenty of it. Thor's abrupt tone angered Aegir. He lowered his eyes and considered how to repay him. I've no cauldron that could hold enough, he said. Bring me a cauldron, Thor, and I'll brew ale for all the gods. The gods and goddesses looked at each other. None of them owned a cauldron that was large enough, nor did they have the least idea where they could get one. Then, one-handed Tyr, always truthful, turned to the thunder god and volunteered. My father, the giant Himir, lives away to the east, beyond the stormy ways of the Alavagar. I know he has a cauldron, a huge cauldron, five miles deep. Do you think we can lay hands on it? asked Thor. This water whirler? We can, said Tyr, but only if we're cunning. Do not reveal who you are. Call yourself Vyor. So Thor and Tyr set off at high speed, and that same day they reached Egil's farm where Thor left his high-horned goats, Tangnost, Toothgrinder, and Tangrisni, Gattooth. Then the gods headed east and crossed the Elevagar. They traveled almost to the end of the earth and sky above, and at last they came to Himir's hall and stood on a mountain quite close to the sea. The first person they came across was Tyr's grandmother, for whom Tyr had very little love. She was a monster with nine hundred heads. Thor shook his head and marveled greatly, but then Tyr's mother walked into the hall. She had the most beautiful pale skin and wore a necklace and armbands of gold. She welcomed her son and Thor and brought them goblets of ale. Giant's blood runs in my veins, she said. I know what's what. Brave as you both may be, I think you'd better hide beneath one of the cauldrons. My husband has a rather brusque way of greeting his guests. As might be expected, Thor had little liking for this suggestion, but Tyr sided with his mother and asked Thor what he stood to lose by being a little cautious. So they waited in safety until ugly Hymir came in late from hunting. As he walked into the hall, the icicles hanging from his frozen beard clinked and chinked. 
Ymir's wife got up to meet him. Greetings, Ymir. You've got good reason to be happy. Your son is here in the hall. How long we've waited while he journeyed far and wide. And he has brought a companion with him. The foe of fraud and friend to all men. His name is Vior. Ymir's gentle wife tried to soften the heart of her husband. Look at them sitting at the end of the hall, under the gable, hiding behind one of those supports and hoping it will guard them. The giants glared balefully at the support, and at once the gable's crossbeam cracked. And then well-tempered cauldrons toppled and fell from the shelf there. They crashed onto the hall floor and shattered into smithereens. Only one did not break, the one under which Thor and Tyr were sheltering. The two gods crawled out from under the rim and Himmer faced them. The old giant's eyes glittered and he pierced them with his gaze. But when he saw Hrod's sworn enemy step into the open, he felt uneasy himself and knew no good would come from this visit. All the same, he made due provisions for his guests. He gave orders to his servants that no less than three oxen must be slaughtered and flayed and boiled. At once his servants lopped off the heads of the cattle and carried them to the cauldron hanging over the fire. The meal was prepared, and before he went to sleep that night, Sif's husband, Thor, astonished Himir by devouring two whole oxen. Himir, the friend of Hrungnir, said, If the three of us want to eat again together, we'll have to go out hunting. Let's go out rowing then and see what we can get, said Vior to the savage giant. All I need from you is bait. Help yourself from the pasture where my herd is grazing, said Himir. I've no doubt, giant killer, that you'll find a turd or two out there easily enough. The god at once made his way out to Himir's pasture. There he found a splendid black ox. Himinhrot, the heaven bellower. The giant killer grabbed its high horns and wrenched them apart until they snapped and then he broke the beast's neck. What you ate was bad enough, said Himir grimly, but it seems that you're even more of a nuisance left at large than sitting by the fire. Himir and Thor left the others behind in the hall and went down to the sea. They launched the giant's boats, and to begin with, Thor manned the oars. Then Himir took over. The giant, kinsman of apes, rowed well out from the land then shipped his oars so they could start the fish. Further, urged Thor, row further. I don't want to row one more stroke further, Ymir replied. The fierce giant began to prepare his tackle. He fixed hooks to his line and cast it over the gunwale. Almost at once the line tightened, and Ymir hauled up two whales, hissing and sighing and churning the water into a maelstrom. Odin's son, Vjor, was sitting in the stern, and he prepared his gear with great care. The slaughterer of monsters and guardian of men baited his hook with the head of the ox, Heaven Bellower, and then he cast his line into the dark water. Under the waves, the enemy of the gods, the serpent surrounding Midgard, let go of its own tail and gaped and took the bait. Thor did not hesitate. Fist over fist, he quickly pulled in his line. Jormungand, the Midgard serpent, lashed the sea into a frenzy. The water fizzed and frothed, but the thunder god did not loosen his grip. He dragged the monster up under the keel and then began to haul it over the gunwale. Then Thor raised his hammer 
It sang a grisly song on the hairy head of that terrible serpent, brother of Fenrir. The serpent roared, and the mountains of Jotunheim heard and replied. Midgard shuddered. Jormungand tugged at the great barb, piercing the roof of its mouth. It twisted and wrenched, and at last, with a tearing of flesh, it set itself free. The serpent sank once more to the bottom of the sea. Shaken and appalled by what he had seen, Hymir had no heart for words and made heavy weather of the homeward journey. First he pulled strongly on one oar, then on the other, in the hope of picking up a following wind to carry them closer to land and into calmer water. When the keel finally scraped the shingle and the boat lodged, Hymir said, That's enough work here for two pairs of hands. Will you drag the boat up beyond the tide mark and secure it, or would you rather pull the whales back to my hall? Without even bothering to reply, the charioteer stood up and stepped out of the boat. He grabbed the prow with his massive fists and began to raise it. The bilgewater slopped and swelled back to the stern. Then the god began to drag the boat with the two whales. The oar and the great baler were still inside of it. He hauled it across the sand, on through a birchwood, and over a hill until he reached Ymir's hall. Tyr and his mother welcomed them there, and marveled at Thor's feet in bringing the boat and the cargo up from the sea. Even now, stubborn Hymir would not own that he had come off second best, and he resolved on another test of strength. You're a fair oarsman, certainly, he said, but so are many others. I'd only call a man strong if he were able to smash this glass goblet. The charioteer took the goblet from Hymir and promptly hurled it against one of the stone pillars supporting the gable. The hall was filled with bits and pieces of flying masonry. Then one of the giants hurried down to the end of the hall and picked up the goblet from a heap of rubble. It was unbroken, and he brought it back to Hymir. Hymir's wife bent her head towards Thor. Throw it at his head, she whispered. He eats so much that it's almost solid. However hard that glass is, his head must be harder. Then the charioteer stood up again. He turned to face Hymir, and with all his divine strength, threw the goblet straight at the giant's forehead. Hymir's skull remained intact, but the wine goblet fractured and fell to the floor in two pieces. Hymir bent down and picked them up and put them on his knees and stared at them. With the loss of this goblet, he said sadly, I lose far more than just a cup. The giant shook his head as if suddenly all his strength had ebbed from him. What's mine is yours now. My last cauldron is yours, he said. I can't stop you from taking it. Even so, it will be a mighty task to cart it out of this hall. I'll never be able to say again, Brew for me cauldron, cauldron brew me ale. Tyr did not need to be invited twice. He jumped up and took hold of the cauldron and began to pull. But he was unable to move it. Hymir looked at him and smiled sourly. Then Tyr tried again. He filled his lungs and pulled, but the cauldron only rocked and settled back into its original position. Now Thor seized the rim. The cauldron was so massive, and Thor exerted so much pressure that his feet splintered the wooden planks and broke right through the hall floor. Then the god hoisted the vast cauldron onto his shoulder and strode out of the hall. 
its handles yapped at his ankles. Thor and Tyr had not gone far before Thor turned around, wanting to have a last look at Himir's hall. It was just as well that he did. The first thing he saw was Himir and a whole throng of many-headed giants who had left their lairs in the east and were coming after them. Thor eased the massive cauldron from his shoulder and set it down on the ground. Then his hands were free to take a grip on Mjolnir. He stood his ground and swung his hammer. Not a single monster, not one prowler of the wilderness, was able to withstand it. Now Thor shouldered the cauldron again. The two gods hurried on. It was not long before they reached Egil's farm, where Thor had left his chariot and goats, though one, thanks to Loki, was lame and limped in its harness. Thor returned home while the gods were meeting in solemn assembly at the well of Erd, under the branches of Yggdrasil. All the gods gazed at the cauldron, amazed, and they acclaimed Thor and his companion Tyr. So Egir was outweighted. Thor gave him the cauldron and took away his pride. And that winter, and every winter, the gods drank tides of whamming ale, brewed for them in the sea god's gleaming hall. And that is the tale of the Lay of Himir. Thank you for listening to our story. If you enjoyed it, please take a look at our Patreon page and learn how you can earn great rewards while also supporting us. We appreciate even the smallest of contributions. They allow us to continue to release new stories every week for free on Wednesdays. And also provide bonus stories for your listening pleasure. Visit us at thescaldcircle.com to view our story archive, sorted by origin and region, and to stay up to date on all of our developments. Once again, thank you for listening to our story.